please kindly turn to your neighbor and just welcome them in the name of the Lord and tell them, Jesus looks good on you. Tell them, Jesus looks good on you. I can see his glory over your life. This has to be Jesus. <laughs> tell them now, this has to be Jesus. The way you look, it definitely is Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Father, we come to you and you alone. Just as the disciples said, where else can we go? In you, we, ha we have found the words of life. We ask that you speak to us in a new way. Father, let it be you. Let it be you. Lord, let the words of man not come forth. That just as Paul said, that when I came to you, I did not come to you in enticing words of men's wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and the power. Father, let it be your own spirit, your own power. Let it be your own words. For we are hungry. We are hungry. And we know that only you can satisfy us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And by the grace of God, I would like to honor our pastor, the father of this house, the one whom the Lord has made the shepherd of this flock. And we give God all the glory for a man um, who has the heart of God and who truly serves. We bless you, sir. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. I also want to honor the leadership of this church. May the Lord continually uphold you and grant you strength to do the right thing at the right time at all times. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray that the Lord's hand of mercy continually guide you in the direction that he wants you to go. In Jesus' name. And I would also like to honor the men and women in this church. God bless you for your faithfulness, for your honor of God's word, and for the honor of God's name. May the Lord uphold you, and may the Lord guide you. May the Lord strengthen you to do his will at all times. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The word of God says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It also says rejoice. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Just rejoice in him because he has done all things well. Amen. Um, by God's grace, I've been given a word um, to speak on today, and that is, man shall not live by bread alone. Um, you can see my hesitation to use those words. Because just looking at the person with the mic, <laughs> no words needed. <laughs> so please don't look at the person with the mic. <laughs> Man shall not live by bread alone. Just looking at that statement alone, looking at that statement, it implies that we need bread. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need bread. I need bread. I mean, it says, we shall not live by bread alone. So, in a way, you need bread. You do need bread. So, please, when you get home, eat well. 
eat well. Amen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> eat very well. But that is not the only thing that can sustain. That is not the only thing that can sustain. So to start this, we look, what is a man? What is a man? Now, some of you might know this. It might be a refresher, but please just be patient with me. What is a man? It's often said that man is a spirit, has a soul, and lives in a body. A spirit has a soul, but lives in a body. So I'll try to use these brief few moments to define what the spirit and soul and body is. The spirit of a man is the life source of the man. The life source. It is what gives life to a man. It carries human life. Now, if we were to open Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Genesis chapter 2, Verse 7. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And it goes thus. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. In other words, the breath gave man life. It animated man. Initially, man was formed, but he could not find expression on the earth until the breathing into his nostrils. So, the breathing of life into no, in the nostrils of man made him a living being. He became a living soul, a living consciousness. And that's why the scriptures say in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching the inward parts of the belly. So when God wants to see what is really going on in a man, he doesn't look at his actions, what he has done with his body. He looks at his spirit because that is the candle. That's what illuminates the man. He looks at the spirit. So that's why it says the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. Now let's move over to the soul. The soul of a man is the consciousness of the man. You remember he breathed into man, he received life, he became a living soul. You could say a living consciousness. That is the consciousness of the man. That's where you see the mind of a man, the will of the man, the emotions of the man. So when someone starts to act out, you know that he's acting out based on what is in his soul. The things that he has put in his mind, you know, the will of a man. When you see people who are extremely determined, you know that these people are strong-willed. They are strong in their soul. They have convictions that cannot be moved. That is in the soul of a man. In the soul of a man. That's why you see in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. The heart of a man is actually his soul. Because that is where you pump in information. That is where things are digested. That is where you understand. 
And that is where doctrines are formed. That is where your perceptions are formed in the soul, in the soul. That is what makes us distinct from one another, the soul of man. And then you have the body. And really, the body is what man uses to exist on earth. The body is what man uses to exist on earth. With the body, you can touch the physical things, right? You can create something out of raw materials. You can have interactions with what you see with the body. With the body. Now, the body will be lifeless without the spirit. The spirit can exist without the body. But the spirit cannot have effect upon physical things. So that is why we need the body to have interactions upon the physical earth, right? But it can exist, but in a different plane, but not on this earth. Not on this earth. That's why when you talk about all these um, disembodied spirits, they can't have an effect upon the physical earth. So what do they do? They look for living things so that they can have that interface on the earth. They yearn to be able to have that effect on the earth. But they can only do that through physical things. That's why when Jesus cast out the devils from the man who had the legion, they said, yes, you are casting us out, but please send us into those pigs. We still want to have interaction with the physical earth. Now, when the soul is not active, there is no consciousness. So those probably in the medical field will know better than than, than I, that when the soul, when you've lost consciousness, you're really in a vegetative state. You're in a coma. You can't also be productive. You can't even do anything because you are just there. Because the soul, the consciousness of the man is inactive. There is still life there because the spirit is there. But then there is no consciousness. You're ineffective on the physical plane. So we can see here that man indeed is a spirit, possesses consciousness, is a living consciousness, and he dwells in a body. So when God says man shall not live by bread alone, he acknowledges that man requires bread, but just to sustain a part of him, and that is where he dwells, in his dwelling place, his earth suit. His earth suit. This is our earth suit. And that's what needs bread. It needs vitality. Because you would notice that when you don't eat for a very long time and they ask you to go and work, the next thing you'll be hearing is, Charlie. <laughs> Something is going on here. Right? So even to be able to function properly, you want to Feed your belly, right? You need food. So only one part of man needs bread. 
Now, if we were to open to Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, where the first part of this um, the scripture is taken from, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Now, this is um, the first temptation of Jesus and his response. And he was quoting the scriptures. It says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, this scripture tells us that what truly sustains the man, the person, the spirit, the one who has that consciousness, is the word of God. Is the word of God. So, how do words relate to a man? How do words relate to a man? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7, that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks, the thoughts of the man is what the man truly is. This implies that words form our thoughts. The Bible also says in Matthew chapter 12 verse 34, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance. So it is what is in the heart that is released from the mouth. What is in the heart is released from the mouth. You can tell a lot about what is in a man by what he says. You can tell a lot about a, what is in a man by what he says. When Job fell into his predicament, his friends released their true thoughts from their mouths. We knew it. You have always been a sinner. But you'll be pretending as if you are too good, you are too righteous. The report that the 12, 10 of the 12 spies gave Israel was a pointer to what was in them. They didn't just say it because they thought that was, that was, that was always what was in them. They had fear in them. And then they had to release that evil report. When Job, when Job came up, sorry, not, not Job, when Joshua and Caleb came up and started to decree, yes, they are big. Yes, they are mighty. But we know our God. We know who he is. He is able to bring us in. We are able to take the land and possess it. Because that was the conviction that was in them. You can tell a lot about who a man is by what he says. You can tell a lot about who a man is by what he says. And sometimes it's not really what he says when he's in public. Sometimes it's what he says when he's in private. What he says when he's talking to his... Yeah, you know, you know what, what they were saying in church? That guy. You just be... Let something serious come. You know? It's when, you know, when we are with our, we start talking. Then no one is there. And then the following day, ah, brother, that, oh, man. Ah, you know? So it goes on in the minds of their, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And if a man is fearful, he releases fearful words. 
Even when he's encouraging people, he releases fear. The man is doubtful. They release doubt. They release it. It's what is in you that comes out. But if there is a man of faith, he will release faith. A man of courage will release courage. A person who is not afraid to try new things will always keep saying we can do it. <laughs> because that is what is in them. That is what is in them. You can tell a lot about a person's conviction by what they say. You really can. Naaman comes to visit Geha Geha uh, is it Elisha and um, he brings things. And then Gehazi, that has been serving the Lord faithfully, uh, well, I can't say faithfully, but he has been serving the Lord. And then Naaman brings goodies to Elisha. Elisha says, Come, don't even take it away from my face. I don't want anything from you. Gehazi said, Shit! This man has let this guy go. <laughs> Imagine what he says. He says, as the Lord lives, I will go after him. We must, we must take it. The violent do. <laughs> no, but you could see greed in the man. And it was released by what he said. By what he said. So words reflect the person. They do. You can tell a lot about what a man has been listening to. Now when I say man, I mean a woman. Has been listening to or reading by what he says. It could also be the types of friends that you have around. You can tell who they are by what the man says. You can see a person here, vibrant. And in the next five years, you see the person. And you come in contact with the person. Like, what happened? Where were you? The, um, the spiritual will say, have you been in church? What have you been surrounding yourself with? What have you been listening to? Now, please, let's go through Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. Genesis chapter 3. Can we go for uh, verse 10? Verse Let's go to 9. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. So the Lord called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? Next verse, please. And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Next verse, please. Then he said, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I had commanded you not to eat from? 
did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The Lord had given a commandment that man, Adam, his wife, were only to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sorry, of the tree of life. They were never supposed to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Immediately they ate. Then they said to themselves, we are naked. Remember, man does not only live by bread. They live by information. It is what you eat that you reflect. As they say, you are what you eat. They ate from a wrong source. They digested it in their soul. They took it. It might not have taken a year. It might not have taken two years. But they began to believe what the enemy was saying. And then the Lord must have said they are covered. But they began to believe that they were naked. And then he asked, who told you? I did not tell you you were naked. I did not give you that information. So who told you? What have you begun to believe? Who told you that you don't have the mind and the wisdom to pass your exams? I did not tell you that. Who told you that you cannot make it? I did not tell you that. Who told you that you should live in fear? I did not tell you that. Who told you that you should be afraid? I did not tell you that. Have you been eating from that wrong tree? Have you been eating from the wrong source? Who told you that? Who gave you that information? Why have you digested it? You see, when we talk about faith, it is not necessarily mental assent. It is the result of digested information based on the words that you have eaten, the words of life. Remember, it is not by works. It is his victory. But have you digested it? Or are you eating mixed, assorted, Assorted, not assorted. You eat from the, the life and then you eat from, you know, remember I said this, plus Jesus minus Satan. <laughs> so why are words important? Words carry the nature of the people releasing them. It carries the nature of the people releasing them. The Bible says in him was life. And that life was the light of men. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. It says that words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. So as we dwell and eat of the words of Christ, 
the life that is in Christ, the nutrients of those life begin to penetrate our minds, our souls, our spirits. Remember I said at the beginning that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The candle of the Lord. As you begin to eat the one who is life, as you begin to eat the one who is light, that light, your spirit begins to consume it. Consume it. And it will be overwhelmed by the light that is in his words. That is why he said, eat me. Eat me. Eat me. Eat me. No, I said it before. I'm going to repeat it again. I beg of you. The examples we have in the Old Testament, they are good examples. But it is for our learning. We do not eat Moses. We do not eat the laws of Moses. We eat the words of Christ. In him is life. Life. The laws they gave was the law of sin and death. Sin and you don't want to dwell there. There is a higher life. A higher life. And that is Christ. Eat of him. Eat of him. Eat of him. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by the words that proceed from his mouth. So we eat of him. As we eat of him, we begin to reflect him. We begin to reflect him. Remember, he said, he said that you guys are saying that Abraham is your father. But Abraham sought my days. He sought my days. Before Abraham was, I am. He said these scriptures, they testify of me. So it is him that is really the end of this book. Everything here is meant to reveal him. Is meant to reveal him. Our brother asked in Rehoboth, the last book, Revelation. The revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. It ends with him. His revelation. The earth is waiting for the revelation, the manifestation of you and I. That is where we need to dwell. But you can only become what you see. Only become what you see. You can only become what you see. Remember, Elijah wanted the double portion of Elijah's anointing. This is a hard thing. But if you see me taken, you shall receive it. It is only what you see you can become. And we behold as in a mirror the glory of God. And we are transformed into that same image as by the spirit of the living God. It is only what you see that you can become. Last week, when pastor was preaching, he said this. Ephesians, let's open to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So you may know. So you may know. What you don't know, you can never use appropriately. What you don't know, what you don't know, you can never use appropriately. 
You can hold a phone. Be saying you want to send email. And then you'll be like, I need a computer. What you don't know, what you don't, even if you have it in abundance, would always remain useless. Will not be used. It won't be used and it won't be useful. Because you did not know that you had it. What is the hope of his calling? What are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints? Do you see it? What are the glorious riches of his inheritance? In other words, what he holds, what he holds, everything that he possesses, it is among the saints. Among the saints. Among the saints. That's you and I. What we possess cannot be described. However, sometimes you are still praying for that, that which he has given. Can you imagine? Because we do not know. Because we do not know. So when Paul tells Timothy, study to show yourself approved, it is for our benefit mostly. You and I, we need to engage the word. Please, can we go on verse 19? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe? Not just if we were to say his immeasurable power. That would have been okay. But he said immeasurable greatness of his power. To us who believe. Raise up your hands. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe your power is at work in us. According to the working of his vast strength. He is at work in us. But it is only irrelevant. You see, um, when we feed on Christ, the Bible said that he defeated principalities and power. He defeated principality and power. He made an open shame of them. He made an open shame of them. Open shame. There is no power like Jesus' power. And that is the seed from which we have been born. Let me try and I'll try to explain this. Adam was made in a glorious state. He fell. And because of that fall, everything that was a result of procreation was giving the image of Adam. That is why when we give birth, though we are saved, we give birth based on that image of Adam. But it was in the same image. That's why you notice he said, and Adam bare a son in his likeness. That is why we are in the likeness of our parents. It's coded into us. 
Now let's fast forward to Jesus. He did not give birth to us before he had victory over the devil. He gave birth to us after he made an open shame. And we have been given birth to in his likeness. In his likeness. So we are not trying to have a fight. There was a message here a while back that we should be still. Not fight. We don't have to. Because he has won the victory. But it is a knowledge. The Bible says you shall know the truth. It's not just the truth that sets free. It is the truth that you know that sets free. So if you do not know the truth, that is why when the spirit of the Lord is, when the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and the Lord is truth. So where there is revelation, there is liberty. They carry the nature of the people releasing them. Words carry the nature of the people releasing them. So when we listen to doubters, understand this. The nature of doubt is released. When we, if we digest those words, guess what is releasing to us? Doubt. The second thing is that the gospel is conveyed through words. The gospel is conveyed through words. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It does not contain salvation. It does not contain power. It is power. It is power. Now, without the word of God, faith can't be built. Without the word, without the word, without the word, faith can't be built. For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. And I'm rounding up. 2 Timothy chapter 15 to 16. There before me. Okay. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. And he says this, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, when studying that word, I found out that it actually means all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. Now, remember, in Genesis 1, he breathed into man, and man became a living soul. So when you study the God-breathed word, you are receiving life. But then he goes on to say this. He said, and it is profitable for doctrine, for teaching. For teaching, that's what doctrine means, for teaching. For reproof or rebuking. Or for correction, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. 
So when we study the word, when we receive the words of life, it corrects us. It tweaks us. It tells you, don't go that way. It seems right, but it won't benefit you. Go this way. It leads you and instructs you in righteousness. The righteousness that pleases the Father. So, it is a popular saying that you are what you eat. If you feed on the words of Christ, we become like Christ. We possess life and we give life. We give light. When we feed on him, we are that exact thing. We are light and we are life. And the word says that the light shines in darkness. It shines, it penetrates darkness. And darkness cannot understand it. Cannot. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The spirit of man is the candle, the light of the Lord. But in him was life. So you no longer have human life. We receive the life of Christ. It, re it replaces that which dwells in man. And then it illuminates us in a way that would please the Father and shine his glory upon the face of the earth. Now let's just raise up our hands. Let's raise up our hands. And let's just thank the Lord for what he has accomplished in us. Thank him for his words renew, restore. The, the words of God change our perceptions of who we are. Since we are transformed into that same image. Even as by the spirit of the living God. 